Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're discussing healthcare technologies and in particular the challenges of bringing data systems into life sciences and into the NHS. My guest is Professor Clive Badman who has had an extensive career in life sciences and the pharmaceutical sector. So uh, Professor Badman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Gavin. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, as I said, you've got a background from a number of different places. Um, let's dig into a little bit of that. Um, tell us a bit about where you've come from and how you got interested in digital systems and data. Okay, I can do that. I uh, spent 40 years in the pharmaceutical industry with uh, GlaxoSmithKline and its predecessors. In the early 2000s, I was very interested in looking at new technology for manufacturing. Uh, and particularly looking at continuous manufacturing and the opportunity it afforded to uh, be more productive, uh, uh, more environmentally sustainable, uh, uh, using less solvents and so on. And uh, the thing about continuous manufacturing is that you need to monitor it continuously. They provide a lot of data. And that took me into understanding uh, the need for data and the need to analyze that data. And it led us, in fact, whilst I was still with GSK, to set up uh, a collaboration with the University of Strathclyde, which uh, involved not just Strathclyde University, but six other universities and uh, eight tier one pharma companies, along with a number of supporting uh, companies, companies that provide support to the pharmaceutical industry, companies like Siemens, for example. And uh, that, that collaboration began back in uh, 2010 and is, is running today. It's the uh, Centre for Continuous Manufacturing and Advanced Crystallisation uh, uh, with an acronym of CMAC and uh, it, it funding for that from industry and from UKRI. So as we've heard earlier in the uh, meeting today, this triple helix of bringing industry, academia and funding sources together uh, to try and drive advancement. And uh, it's been very successful, going strong even today. So let's dig into a little bit of the detail. What are some of the real opportunities in the pharmaceutical industry if data can be used better? And what are the challenges of actually doing that? Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. I'll give an example of one area where uh, uh, digital technology can really help reduce the number of experiments that you have to do, reduce the cost of developing drugs or developing methods of manufacturing drugs, and that's through the use of digital twins. So you can produce a digital twin, you can tweak how that operates and make predictions, and that significantly reduces the amount of work you have to do uh, in the real world, as it were, and uh, it reduces the cost because, of course, manufacturing batches of product is, is quite expensive. Mm. Uh, so a digital twin is, is a, a, a fantastic tool for uh, accelerating the development of new uh, technologies and new processes to manufacturing. Some of the challenges that we have in the industry, well, as an industry, we um, we have a lot of data. We have mountains of data. 
unfortunately, very little of that data is used in an appropriate manner. Uh, and, and a lot of the reason for that is that systems that we have within manufacturing aren't always able to talk to each other. And so it's very difficult to draw the data right. And, and for that reason, uh, at Strathclyde, we've been uh, looking at the potential to create uh, a digital processing manufacturing center, DPMC for short, uh, which will allow companies to come in and see what different digital uh, uh, technologies there are, what different tools there are, how they can use them. It will allow them to think about developing strategies for using uh, digital in their organization. And it will provide training from uh, shop floor operators all the way up to the management team on the use of digital in a business. Uh, right at the moment, I think companies, for the most part, do not have a good digital strategy. And if we were to go back a few years now to uh, uh, Jürgen Meyer's report for the government on Made Smarter, he very clearly identified at that time the advantages that digital and data could bring, not just to the farmer industry, but to industry as a whole in the UK. But specifically in the farmer industry, the opportunities are huge for shortening development times, for improving productivity, for improving uh, on our environmental sustainability, and using real-world evidence from the products that we manufacture. And that's all about the actual manufacture, presumably as large companies. There are other opportunities in using data to improve distribution, supply chains, monitoring, those kind of things. Yeah. Very much so, very much so. If, if we look at supply chains, it's a sad reality that um, the length of time that it takes to make many pharmaceuticals is in excess of 12 months. In fact, sometimes over two years from raw materials arriving to the packed stock becoming available. And then you have to get that packed stock out to patients. Uh, at, that's a huge amount of inventory that companies are carrying. And of course, continuous manufacturing is one technology that might shorten that cycle. But getting the product to patients is another way where digital can help. Typically, as you know, product will go out from a company to a wholesaler, then to the retailer. Uh, and uh, here in the UK, a prescription, uh, you take a prescription into the pharmacy, the pharmacist makes it up, you pick it up and you go and use it. Uh, but what if we use digital technology to get product directly to patients? Now, that wouldn't work for all medicines, uh, but we did look last year at a particular application around uh, spinal muscular atrophy and how uh, some of these patients that are suffering from SMA who have to travel to hospital regularly to get their medicine, could have it delivered to the home and be administered in the home. The product could be monitored for its temperature in the refrigerator. Digital plays such a big role in being able to make it life easier for patients like that. And then beyond that, beyond that again, I mentioned real world evidence just a few moments ago, but uh, if we were monitoring patients 
to see how effectively they were responding to the treatment that they're on, uh, then I think that can help again dramatically. Even in a simple example uh, of a patient being given an antibiotic, but they're not responding. The, the, the problem that they have isn't responding to that antibiotic. They take it for a week. They don't get any better. They have to go back to their primary physician for a new prescription. Uh, if we could get signals earlier, then we could change that treatment earlier. Mm. So we've moved... We started looking at the pharmaceutical industry. We talked a bit about patients. We're now, if you like, moving into the NHS more generally. Mm -hmm. And sort of, there are so many examples, but sort of what are some of the key areas where better use of data, better use of, of some of these new technologies can bring fairly rapid improvements into the NHS? Um, right, well, let, let me let me get into that slowly if I can do uh, because I think uh, four years ago just now uh, the, the whole idea of digital health was uh, oftentimes something that people thought was associated with the wealthy people in this, this world and uh, uh, COVID came along and as we've heard earlier this afternoon people were uh, responding very well to their laminar flow tests they, they became experts at taking a test and recording the result uh, and that I think uh, is, is one quick example of, um, of of how digital is being taken on board so uh, before COVID wasn't really a, a big issue uh, people weren't that interested in, in digital health during COVID we all became uh, global digital citizens and, and post-COVID, the opportunity exists, not just in the NHS, but in care hubs. Well, we heard uh, a little earlier today about prisons in, in uh, 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 the session this afternoon, uh, and how prisons are reliant upon uh, paper systems because they don't have the Wi-Fi infrastructure. Uh, but putting that in enables data to be uh, used more effectively. So. We've changed as a nation and as a world, I think we've changed dramatically in the way that we look upon uh, a digital and perhaps that's giving people more encouragement to take control of their own healthcare. I'm interested in how well the UK does this. Um, and clearly pharmaceutical companies, which is where we started, are, are global organisations. Mm -hmm. Clearly there are things that a country and its government or, and parliament or governments and parliaments can do to help or hinder, depending on whether they get it right or wrong. Um, it, are other people doing this better? Are other countries, have we got lessons to learn? Where, where's the exemplars of, of getting this right? I, I, I don't think there's any one company that's dramatically better than the UK. I think we can see good examples of practices in some countries uh, and good examples here. So a really clear example of the use of uh, uh, digital technology to accelerate things is the way that the COVID vaccine came through so quickly. Mm. Uh, it, it didn't take us too long to develop it. Uh, and to get it through to the regulators and get it approved. Uh, it was a remarkably short period of time. And I think there's a lot of hope that we'll continue on that path 
perhaps even with digital CMCs. Uh, uh, explain, explain the CMC CMC, Chemistry Manufacturing and Control. This is okay. part of the regulatory package that goes to the agencies uh, where they check on the way that you make products and, and that it's consistent and it always brings the right result. Yeah. So it's a safety uh, measure. But digital CMCs are a thing for the future. Um, but I think one of the problems we have in the UK is that a health service post-COVID is, is clearly overwhelmed. And it doesn't matter whether you're in England and Wales or in Scotland, which has devolved health services, uh, the problem is the same. And trying to introduce new technology, new digital technology even, uh, at a time when they're overworked is a, is a huge challenge. And we heard some questions about that this afternoon. And I think one, there, there are perhaps some ways around that. I, I wonder about the opportunity of using local pharmacies mm. as a, a place to run in parallel alongside the health service to do some of the simple testing that would take burden away. And, and I'll give one example, which I know a Community Pharmacy Scotland have uh, worked on in, in the last uh, couple of years. And um, that's in measuring blood pressure, hypertension, mm. and measuring a patient's blood pressure. A patient, and 80% of the patients in Scotland live within 15 minutes of a local pharmacy. So it's not a panacea for everyone, but it covers a large percentage of yeah. the population. Yeah. Um, you can go in there, have your blood pressure measured, and that can be recorded and the results sent to you, which is important. People mm. need to take uh, responsibility for uh, their own health. It can go to your primary physician and it can go to your secondary physician if that's necessary. Mm. Uh, and that could be set up on a regular basis. And that's just one example of a measurement that can be done, as I mentioned, in parallel with the NHS, but outside of the NHS, mm. uh, to perhaps create a little more capacity within it. And there are more products yeah. that could be done in that way, of course. But presumably to work, the data that's created there needs to feed back into it the does. data held in the NHS. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're not uh, you're not supporting the, the the full solution. No, it has to go. It has to yeah. go back to the primary and, if needed, to the secondary uh, side of the NHS. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you about something else. Um, within the UK, uh, new products, new services are regulated by the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, MHRA. Yes. And there's an extent to which your regulatory agency um, can be uh, a, a real advantage to getting new products and services on, on, on the market, but equally have to be that trusted position where things are seen uh, that the right things have been done safely and securely and, and whatever. Um, are there things that the MHRA can do better? Um, are there uh, other countries where the regulations are, or the regulatory agency works in a different way that we can learn from? Um, well, I don't, the first thing, can, they, can things be done better? And I'm sure there are always opportunities to do things better. But let me talk about the MHRA first. Mm. Um, I think they deserve a lot of credit. 
Uh, I, I've worked closely with the MHRA uh, over the last uh, 10 years, um, during my last five years at GSK and, 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 and the period since I've been with the University of Strathclyde, uh, sharing work that's coming out of collaborations. And uh, not that they tell you you've got to do this or that, but they give guidance mm. on how that is. So their innovation uh, department within the MHRA has been incredibly supportive. I think a lot of people find it easy to um, say that the MHRA and regulatory agencies in general can be blockers, and that's mm. not my experience. Certainly with, uh, with continuous manufacturing, particularly the FDA yes. and, and Janet Woodcock within the FDA have been great proponents of this new technology and trying to accelerate its adoption. Uh, and, and I would speak up also for the innovation function within the FDA as being hugely supportive to industry. So I think uh, probably there are things that can be done better, but I think they do a jolly good job already. Uh, and what about the, the government level? And you mentioned healthcare is devolved. So in Scotland, we have the Scottish government, uh, in England, the, the UK government and, and so on. Yes. Are there things that those governments uh, should be doing to support more successful uptake of technology in the NHS? Well, uh, funding is always an issue. Uh, and, uh, I understand clearly there's a, a real economic challenge within the UK and within Scotland at the moment. Uh, and so funding isn't always easy, but funding new ideas uh, is, is a way of advancing uh, quickly. There is, and we heard a little bit about this this afternoon in, in, uh, in the conference, that there is a, a plethora of different organisations. and uh, I mean, in Scotland there are 14 health boards. I, I don't know how, I think it's 42 ICSs in, the, in England and Wales. I don't know, but that sounds it's, right. Okay. And, and each one wants to do their own thing. Yes. And unfortunately, being able to share stuff over the whole organisation is a real challenge. So it, it's difficult sometimes to get new ideas in. And, and, and part of that difficulty, as I said, is they're under such a lot of pressure. Mm. Uh, 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 the challenges that they're facing at the moment, well, we hear about them almost daily in the uh, in the news. Yeah. Well, let's just assume we're coming towards the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you one more question. Let's just assume, for the sake of the discussion, that some of those challenges ease off a little, that some of the investment uh, can come in, and imagine that we get some of this right. What would look different five years, ten years from now if we were able to do some of this? What I think would be fantastic if we can make it happen is that we start to have citizens, people, uh, citizens in the country taking more responsibility for their own health care and using a digital approach to do that. And there's so much more that, that can be done. I mean, I'm sitting here wearing an Apple Watch this afternoon. I can do an ECG on that. I can look at the exercise that I've taken. I can look at my sleep patterns. There's so much data that can be available for individual citizens to take more responsibility for their own health. And I think the more we did that, the healthier people would be, mm -hmm. and the less burden there would be 
And I think that's the way to bring the NHS across the whole of the United Kingdom back into working order, if we can get people to take more responsibility for their own health. Well, it's certainly an exciting time. Let's see what happens over the next few years. But that's a a positive place to end on. Uh, That's all we've got time for today. But uh, Professor Clive Babman, thank you very much. Thank you, Gavin. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. And my guest this week was Professor Clive Babman. We've been discussing uh, on the afternoon of the 5th of October, which was also the date in which the Foundation for Science and Technology and the Royal Society of Edinburgh held an event entitled Transforming Scottish Healthcare, the Role of Data and Technology. A recording of that event is available on the Foundation's website at www.foundation.org.uk forward slash events. Also on our website are information about all our other events, our journal and all previous editions of this podcast. Until the next time, goodbye.